Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2. I am Brandon T. McClure. With me on this trek today is Brian Eliopoulos. Hello, I'm here. I'm here until tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Sparks Witty. Yes, I am also present and ready. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, I've never pronounced your last name in your presence, so I... <laughs> Here as well with a uh, friend of the show and good friend of ours, uh, Xander Hockey. Perfect. Great. Perfect. Really well done. Great. Nailed I'm it. happy about that. Good um, in one. Uh, 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 Xander, um, you have, uh, you, you're a Star Trek fan? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell audiences a bit about yourself, considering this is the first time many of them will have seen you? Oh, right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, what up? I'm a uh, Xander, uh, aka uh, Jack in the Box, um, streamer, photographer, longtime uh, Star Trek fan. My mom, my mom, right? <laughs> yeah, my mom. No. I got thrown because when you said long time, you said lion, and I was like, is it going to say lion tamer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was um, ready to yes and then yes. you said my mom. <laughs> my mom's a liar. Oh man, no. Okay, uh, my mom's been a a, a Trekkie literally um, forever. Uh, so I got into Star Trek through her, um, mostly through the Next Generation, which I think a lot of people's entry was that. True. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and just kind of like stayed on the periphery of some shows and then really delved into others, but still within the Star Trek media universe pretty much my entire life. Very cool. Well, happy to have you. I need someone who speaks the language this week. Um, so I'm really happy you're here. Um, I thought he meant Spanish. I, I kind of want you to throw Spanish at him. No. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, you want to throw a little French at me? I maybe could stumble through that, but no. He um, means Star Trek. He means Star Trek. Because language we don't watch. I'm more versed than him, but certainly not. A, right. I'm yeah. not. I would not consider myself a Trekkie. I'm such a baby. I'm um, the little baby. Before we get started talking about, we are talking about episode three of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, season two. Today, tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, we'll get into that in a moment. I do want a couple of shout outs. Do want to throw out a couple of shout outs real quickly. One is to former co-host of this show, Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. Uh, congratulations on your child. Uh, she has come, and uh, it is. It is. Uh, he he sent me the, the pictures. I'm very happy for him. Mm -hmm. um, everybody, just congratulations, Cookie. Yeah, congrats to Cookie. Congrats. Um, and uh, on conversation, you may be you may have remembered a friend of mine, Andy Palastes. Um, I haven't said that name out loud in quite a while. On Conversation Season 1, I talked to this gentleman. Um, he's become friends since, and he has been... He told me on Conversation Season 1 that he was doing this, and he wrote a book. And that book is now out. It is called, uh, it is called We Have Engaged the Borg, The Oral History of the Battle of Wolf 359. You all are familiar with how the book World War Z is written, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's that, but That's for cool. Star Trek. Um right. So it is, it is the Battle of Wolf 359 is a seminal battle in Star Trek The Next Generation. It is the battle that is depicted in the Best of Both Worlds two-parter where Patrick Stewart becomes Locutus Borg. Um, and he, and so uh, Andy had, has written a book uh, of interviews and things like that, uh, uh, like an in-universe book about the Battle of Wolf 359. I've read a little bit of it. It's incredible. Um, there's a lot of great, uh, character work in there you know it's all interviews from characters within the franchise some new characters that he's invented I, he snuck in i didn't know this he snuck in a cameo by me nice uh in the book and i was very excited about that so i'm the in the canon. book the canon. um 
And I, I'm like, that's 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 awesome. But this is fan fi- this is fan fiction is not officially licensed by CBS. It is a free book for you to download the PDF for. The link will be in the description below for anybody who is interested. Uh, I highly recommend. It's great. Very cool. Okay, nice so nice that's nice. what did you say, Sparks? I said nice, nice, nice. So, um, nice, nice, nice. Well, that's three nices, so that'll transition very nicely into our three-word title, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I was going to make the same joke, but differently. (laughs) Um, This episode is directed by Amanda Rowe, who directed last season's Elysium Kingdom, um, and written by David Reed. Um, who's a who's directed who's written episodes of The Boys season three and The Boys season four? That's kind of cool. Um, okay, so what did we think about this one? Uh, uh, Ryan, you want to go first? Absolutely. I thought this was another terrific episode of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Followed a character I really like, Laan Nunyan Singh. She's really cool. What's her whole history about? Can't wait to find out more. Oh, do we love it? Um, I think it's a uh, um, much like last week's episode. Uh, we got a more focused view on a character that I didn't particularly, uh, not that they're bad, as I wasn't vibing with super hard with Kirk in season one. I It didn't, wasn't really super giving me personally, like the Kirk vibes I was feeling, but this episode, like it was more focused on him. Like I definitely felt it more. I definitely, I definitely, um, I still don't love him to be honest, but I definitely like him considerably more um, now that I've spent more time with him. Um, I just thought it was a really cool episode. Um, I always love a good Star Trek does this all the time, you know, a time travel story. Let's just go back to to this time and, you know, uh, save on some sets this season, this episode. Um, Really, really good, though. I had a really good time. Sparks? Uh, Overall, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a good episode. Um, I like a lot of the stuff. If I'm being very honest, I think a decent chunk of the middle didn't really work for me. Interesting. Uh, Xander? Um, All in all, I, I liked it. I think Star Trek does time travel well, pretty much, you know, by and large. So it's they, they've got already the the right ideation of like, okay, we don't have our tricorders. We have to check all the boxes of what we do and don't have. Uh, you know, gotta blend uh, in, blend in the characters. They kind of hit the the like the the things we must do for a time travel episode uh, boxes. So in that way, it's, it's serviceable, but I really enjoyed all the, the Kirk lawn lawn stuff, Mm -hmm. which really to me just felt like the purpose of the episode. Yes. Like the, 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 the nougaty center of it. Um, So while I'm, a little, I think maybe with you on on this a little bit on certain aspects of the episode. It 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 was so good at its core with their character interactions that I'm like, I I liked it. It yeah. was just it was good. Yeah, yeah. I um pretty much agree with everyone here. Actually, I really like this episode. I think it's uh, another great episode of a show that I have fallen head over heels in love with. Um, you know, as you guys have said. It is a time travel episode, which Star Trek has done many. This is the most time travel episode, and I'll get into why. Kind of um, uh, some of the some of the why of of that, and I think it gets a little lost in the weeds towards the end. But the emotional core of the episode is incredibly strong. Like Ryan, I am more endeared to Paul Wesley as Kirk thanks to this episode, even though this is yet again another alternate Captain Kirk. Um, Brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah. Every season, I want one. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's really. I think it's 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 it, it allows Paul Wesley to play a different version of Captain Kirk. And I I have I will say the same thing that I said about about the first time we met Paul Wesley's Captain Kirk and Equality and Mercy, which is he is written as the pitch perfect Kirk. Like the people who are writing him, they get it. They understand Kirk very well. What Paul <clears throat> Wesley is giving that 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 dialogue and that description and and that script is missing that spark that it's weird to say William Shatner had yeah um because people like to say that William Shatner is an overactor and for much of that original show he is but he had he brought something to that to that character that Paul Wesley and I think Chris Pine recaptures but Paul Wesley hasn't quite yeah um, I agree. and I'm I I think he can get it but so far, he's not quite there. 
but yeah, let's get right into it. Let's get let's get further into it. Sparks, you said that the middle is kind of your issue here. Um, I like on paper the story beats between Laon and Kirk. I don't believe, and I think both actors are talented, Christina Chong and Paul Wesley. I don't think that this is entirely their fault, but I don't believe the kind of falling for each other thing. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. That's hinted at, or at least I don't think it's delivered well most of the time. Um, I feel like it was fine when I'll tell like you like when what. it first, when it first happens and she steps out of her bedroom, I'm like, if she just wants to like sleep, I, I kind of wish she had just gone and slept with him. Yeah. Like, like <clears throat> to be honest, like that she is just kind of there to like, Hey, we're here. Woo. -woo. Um, but this idea that like, when she gets to that bit where she says, or you can come back with me. And I'm like, this doesn't feel natural. This doesn't feel like this belongs. This feels very contrived into the show as this idea. And I just, I don't believe you've developed enough feeling for Kirk to actually mean that or desire that. Yes. And, and it never quite got there for me. I believed, I believed that they cared about each other, but I didn't believe that they cared that intensely about each other yes and i think that was the thing that was getting me is like I, I buy that you guys care about each other i just don't buy how deep it seems like it's meant to be this feels like like the level of romance that it, it escalates to feels like it should be a two-part episode if this is what you're trying to accomplish because yeah. i don't have a problem because i do agree with you i like overall like if i'm just looking at it on paper like i like the idea of like like these people who from different universes they fall in love and the tragedy and stuff like that i like that idea but i do think if you want to convey how much she, they do seem to care about each other, it is in within one episode. And it's very fast, uh, and it is you are supposed to. And for some people, you can't just like, oh, I'm not. It's not a big deal to throw that over. But like, it is. It does happen fairly quickly, and it's not like they're together for weeks. At, like, weeks. it's also, it's also. I kind of have a problem to be honest with you with the idea that Laon can only connect with someone who doesn't know her family history. I don't like that implication as an idea. I don't like that that's kind of like the only reason she's willing to even open herself up to having feelings for someone is because they don't know anything about her family name. And that kind of idea doesn't work for me. I don't think that's exclusively it though, but that is that is one thing. It is like, well, if, it is like Hitler last name thing. Here's the thing, contextually, the other sides of the episode, the episode opens all about her being closed off to people. Yeah. Not necessarily because other people aren't willing to connect. Yeah. Mbenga is actively trying. Yeah. And she's like, wall. Yeah. She only lowers a wall for Kirk after she knows that in his timeline, that's not a thing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't love that notion that uh, I, I, if there's a point about it where like Laon has to learn that that's not healthy, then okay. Um, but the idea that Laon can only be intimate with people who have absolutely zero association with her last name kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I have a slightly different read on that. Sure. Um, which might just be how I saw it. Um, so I saw this more as Laon falling for Kirk than Kirk falling for Laon. Mm -hmm. It is more one-sided. It's more of it a one-sided like thing, which is why to me it worked better than having them fall for each other. Yeah. I like the idea of her opening up and, and finding, you know, whatever it is she's looking for in him. The way I see it with when she realizes he doesn't know who she is, is less that it allows her to open herself up to him. But I think that it allows her to look at herself mm -hmm. without that viewpoint, yes. which is an arc she's been having. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that it, It's been addressed several times to her by other people. You know, you are not your forefathers. You are not a monster. You are not this person. Yeah. Right. And she hasn't like completely internalized it. So to me, it felt less like he doesn't know who I am. I can open up to him. And it felt more like he doesn't know who I am. It doesn't matter. It's not as important it's as I thought as it was. It's not as important as it was yeah. to me who I am. And I think that that's kind of like capped at the end of the episode as well, or right before she goes back to yes. her time. Mm -hmm. So to me, while I might be a little bit more forgiving here than I should be in, in that interpretation of the arc, 
it, it just that it it made a little bit more sense to me to feel it that way. And I feel like there's enough in the episode to kind of get that perception of it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the I previous. Want... What? Go ahead, Brandon. Well, and the previous episode, right? The mm-hmm. recap for this episode ends on what? Um, n- n- Nara? Nira? Nira. Nira uh, says to La'an, like, you're not. You're mm-hmm. not your 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 family's augmentations. You're you're not a monster. You are just a person born with the capacity to be good or bad. No more than no no more no less. And that's that carries her into this arc of the episode, right? So I want to respond to what Xander was saying, which is I I think that's all there, and certainly on paper, I think a lot of the intent is there. But this is one of the first Strange New Worlds episodes where I think the point or like the thematic point of the episode is fumbled. And like, I don't think that they get it all there. I don't think the execution's as good as most of the other episodes of the show. Uh, I I feel like I get what the idea wanted to be. I don't think it was fully baked. Part of it is, I think Ryan might be right. It's simply not enough time for it um, to go all the way that it should. And a two-parter would have served it better. Um, I think that's true. Or uh, another take could be that, like, I think there's just a little bit too long of them fighting with each other before Mm. the relationship starts to shift. Or I think that to me, because I think there's also a read where, like, there's nothing romantic about it except for her stepping out at night, um, that it could just be like caring friendship. I think like double down on whichever direction you're going. Yeah. Is it romantic intention or is it friendship intention? And honestly, I think if she just like connects with him because again, she's willing to just open up because that's like a dis a disconnect from her history, that's fine. Um, it just never got to again that point where I was convinced that Laon felt that strongly in delivery and performance i guess with no shade on christina chong because i think she's excellent she's one of my favorite parts of the show but something didn't work for me here in making me buy the speed with which this relationship was moving forward no and i'll 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 totally agree with that i i do have to read into it a little bit to be able to get what i got from it yeah and that means that there wasn't enough to just be presented and and to cap off on what you were saying, like the last moment, it, mm-hmm. I love, which is the bit where she's challenging them and she's saying, uh, Khan was, um, you know, monstrous was a, was mm-hmm. a, a, a genocidus, and and my and he's my history. Like he made all these things and he made me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like acknowledging that, but having the ownership of it. But I don't feel like her trajectory in the episode led to that moment as well as it should have. Right. That's um, because again, we're kind of talking about her connecting with someone who has no association with her name. Mm. And then at the end of the episode, it's saying, I'm taking full power of my name. Mm. And I'm like, these things don't totally mix together thematically to drive that point home quite the way I think they intended, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see that. Oh I feel you. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think this episode um, is a little. If it wasn't for Christina Chong and Paul Wesley having, I think, pretty good chemistry and delivering uh, and delivering really good performances, especially from Christina Chong, who I think is delivering a series best uh, from her, um, this episode wouldn't wouldn't be as strong. Um, she is definitely carrying a lot of this a lot of this episode, and I don't mean that as any sort of negative criticism. I think it's just a, a testament to how good she is in this episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I, I I will admit that it was that which made me really like the episode and completely forget in the last week how much I hated the villain. Oh, Sarah. Who's the, who's the villain? The, the, the Romulan. Um, the Romulan. Yeah, the Romulan. The Romulan who's doing the photographs, fakes out being their friend and protecting them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I already natural. forgot. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, yeah, it's not. Worst part of that <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, that's, that's like, oh, this is generic. Yeah, yeah here we are. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> before, we get to, before we get to Sarah, because I do, I have a lot to talk about. I have a lot to talk about that. Um, <laughs> Paul Wesley, um, and and sorry, Kirk and Laon seem to be fated to each other. And there's a there's there is a there is a kind of a subtextual um, theme in Star Trek that the ti- that timeline that the timeline wants to correct itself. Characters need to be in a certain place at all times, um, and that's the explanation for the Kelvin timeline happening right, they, the way it does. 
they imply that they've tried to get at Khan a lot of times. The right. And so, and so that's that's made that's made explicit text in this episode, which I actually kind of appreciate. And I've got again so much to say. Um, but she, but if we remember in Equality and Mercy, Laon is Kirk's first officer on the mm-hmm. Farragut. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what it is about the timeline. Keep trying to put Laon and Kirk together. And I wonder if that's ever going to be explored in any sort of way. I wonder if it's, yeah, I wonder if it's, if it's maybe not even, not, not even Elon specifically, maybe it's a Nunyan scene thing. Cause like that entire family is like wrapped up in the Kirk shit forever. It feels like. Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it's a, we have 10 years in the future where he's going to meet her grand, her, her great, great grandfather or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, Laon's not in the rest of Star Trek, right? She's a new character for the show. Yes. Okay. Um, I have this fear uh, honestly, that kind of came up because of this episode that um, Laon's final trajectory, like when the show's coming to its end, is that she's going to do something sacrificial that saves Kirk and he's never going to hear about it. Oh. Um, because I think, unfortunately, like kind of what you're saying, like I just don't see a world where this kind of stuff is happening. And when Khan comes up, Laon's not connect involved. Yes. So that's part of what I feel like is going on is that Lon's going to have a lot of care for Kirk developed through some kind of like, this is a building bridge to that. Um, even if it's transitional from something else and that's going to lead to her doing something for him that is going to take her out of the story. She is one of like the only characters who is like, you probably can't be around in the future. Cause I feel like I we mean, would, we would know you were there. <laughs> right. I mean, Kirk, uh, Spock and Uhura are on the Enterprise when they meet Khan, and yeah. uh, it's a little difficult to kind of have to be like, "Well, why didn't they call Laon and be right. like, yo, your ancestor is here'?" Right, because you know Laon would be involved, absolutely. And like, there's too many people who carry over to that time period that know her now. So yeah, that's it, it's kind of like a hair on the back of my neck thing where I'm I'm sensing like we're building something that's kind of going to be part of Laon's exit from the story i i sure hope it's one of those things where like they don't feel like they have to kill her off even as even like a heroic way they could just be like just go live off in the universe somewhere and don't just she lived happily ever after like who like she doesn't even have to be part of star trek just she gets to live on a farm like you don't have to kill i don't think there can be anything that it doesn't it's not necessarily wrong to do that no it's executed properly but i do wonder if that's part of what they're doing here long time cop Hey, yeah, oh okay. yeah, the TV shows up. All <laughs> oh, right, I keep forgetting things happen. I want to wait on on that. I've got a whole like <laughs> lecture for you guys. <laughs> um, I did kind of want to uh, because when Z- when Xander was bringing up the villain and everything, um, the Romulan, it did make me kind of click back in that pretty much everything from the moment that they're about to be arrested, uh, through that entire like diner scene and everything was the most checked out I was on the episode. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't even think they needed to do that. I think the Romulan could have been the photographer from the beginning, and you could have just looped it all back that way, and we didn't need the intermediary scene and just had that stuff be about them. Yeah. Uh, and have them find another way to get that information that they needed, that the important part, but give Laon and po- uh, Kirk, sorry, more time to actually uh, be connecting, because that just sucked a lot of air out of the room. I felt. No, I did. I, I, I kind of agree with that. The, the last time I watched it, I've kind of felt the same way. There's a couple of Easter eggs that I'd be remiss to mention. One is um, she has a, uh, actually there's a lot of Easter eggs in that, but I don't know one of them. Uh, one of them specifically is a, a launch platform for a space shuttle. That's from uh, the episode um, assignment earth from the original series, the square that the red square that points to that's Kirk and Spock, um, mm. which is kind of a cute little thing. Um, and then uh, the Romulan ship that shows up was kind of when I kind of checked back into the scene. We'll be like, what the hell are the Romulans doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, and Kirk has that moment. I do really appreciate that Laon, because I forgot this, that Laon didn't rec- immediately recognize the Romulan ship because at this point, Starfleet hadn't seen the Romulans in a hundred years at Laon's point anyway. And, but Kirk's been at war with them for a very long time. Sure. Um, supposedly since the 21st century is what mm. this episode kind of makes it makes it look Space like. Space Fleet. Right. Um, 
So I, I do really like that that kind of bit of even Sarah, like she's disguised. So so technically Laan has no reason to think that a Romulan looks like a Vulcan at this point. Uh-huh. She gets used to her ears after a while. Yeah. Um I also like that <laughs> it's Sam that brings Kirk to realize, oh, my timeline should die. No, I thought that was a really good beat. Yeah. Um, because I, I like the idea that Sam, I, I do like what they've done with Sam in this show, and I hope we see, I'm sure we'll see him more in the season. Um, and when he, when they're talking about, like, I may never exist, I may not exist in your timeline. And she's like, you do. I've heard stories from your brother, Sam. And he's like, oh, okay. Now Is I get the deal here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that beat a lot. Yeah. No, it's a good one. Um, I did mention that I like how they write Kirk because I do. Um, when he was playing chess, I like, I don't know what it is about Paul Wesley's performance as Kirk, but like they, they are writing an incredible Kirk because he is a, 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 a master tactician. He is the only one to beat Spock at chess. And that's the first episode we meet Kirk. He beats Spock at three dimensional chess. And so we have this whole montage of him beating so many people at two-dimensional chess, which he calls idiots chess. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is this is great that they remember that Kirk isn't some playboy. He's actually incredibly intelligent. Well, um, I mean, he's kind of both. Cause, well, because also he's like New York City. It's like this is Toronto. <laughs> yes, uh, I, that's a that's a that, that's a fun bit. I'm glad they filmed in in um, they actually filmed in Toronto, which is not you can tell yep. like it yep. feels yep. like they've filmed on location. Um, and, and Kirk has this like, like Kirk, Chris Pine has gotten a lot of flack for being like the Kirk that I've, that the fan base thinks Kirk is, which is this person who'll sleep with anything that moves. That's not the Kirk from the original series. In fact, he falls in love more than anything. Um, he's just quick to fall in love a lot in the original series. And he, uh, but he's also a master tactician and to get this kind of version of Kirk is really nice. Uh, because it means that the writers actually really care about developing uh, a proper Captain Kirk, or at least uh, at this point, a Lieutenant Kirk. For sure. Um, yeah. Because we do get a, we do the first appearance of Prime Kirk in this episode also. Oh yeah, she calls him like, hey, this isn't weird at all. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you read, you read um, Jonathan Hickman, the X-Man and Jerry, Jerry Dugan's X-Men. Mm -hmm. There's that vault mini uh, uh, arc where X-23 and Seek go into the vault and they fall in love. And then only one of them remembers it. And I'm like, this is some X-Men shit right here. Yeah. I but it's not the original time that's happened before, but I'm like, no, that's definitely with absolute With absolutely not zero, but very little to base this on um, for Kirk performances, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think Paul Wesley does a really good job of differentiating with subtle things he does between Kirk from the alternate timeline and Kirk Prime. Mm -hmm. um, there's a different energy when he enters the screen as Kirk Prime. Yeah. Um, and you can tell. And, and I think that that's really nice that there's... That's what makes me think Paul Wesley is the right person for the job, even if he's not maybe capturing the Shatner id. Yeah. He's, he's working as Kirk to me um, <laughs> because yeah. he, I think when he shows up as prime, it's like you have this versatility, you have this, this energy for Kirk. It's very clear, even from this small scene. Yeah. Um, How much money did he win though? To get that, that hotel room. <laughs> Probably a couple hundred. Enough. Enough. Yeah. The, Canada is a lot better, better about it than the States. And drive across state line, uh, country lines, bribing a border guard, taking um, they won a lot of money. I thought that was it's okay. They're white or white passing, yeah. so like it's true. And it's Canada, so it's like fifty percent nicer up there. Pelia uh, makes an appearance in this episode. I, I quite like Carol. Kane Look, a lot. I, I honestly, I wish I could say it's a ten out of ten because of Carol Kane alone, but I can't. It's true, but like <laughs> it, Carol Kane's great. It's I'll, nice. I'll always watch her in the show. That she also still exists in this universe and is nice and lovely. I love that. She's just yeah. she's a universal constant. I'm glad that she wasn't an engineer yet because that would would have felt convenient. But I am also glad that they at least gave her something present to do there that aided them in some way, mm, um, yes. rather than just being like, "Oh, this was just well, you know, it's I, always nice to see Carol King." I love this uh, uh, this quote. Uh, Kirk's like, "You're not an engineer," and she's like, "I work retail. Does this look like an engineer's engineering place?" 
<laughs> I haven't taken math since Pythagoras made that shit up. That's pretty good. She said crab. I made it funny. There's a there's a bit in the when she's on the Enterprise because she's got a bunch of stolen cart. I mean, it's stolen from hundreds of years ago. So like she's right, the Statue of Limitations are over. I do love the idea that there is somebody at the Louvre whose job it is to like maybe like every fifty to a hundred years call her and be like, "Hey, can we have our painting back?" Yeah, <laughs> I um, do really like that that little head cannon. So we get the time cop lady. Yes. Mm. Don't ever talk about this with anyone. And I'm sitting here like, did she did she have to go say that to Carol Kane too? She probably honestly, Pelly, I probably forgot. Maybe. She seems like someone who's like, eh, I'm not gonna talk about it. That's anymore. possible. I don't know. I feel like she would remember the first person on Earth who knew she was an alien. Yeah. That she encountered. Right. No, but we we assume she's the first that knows, but I mean knew without her saying. Like without her telling mm. them, someone comes to you and says, you're I know you're an alien. Yeah. You kind of remember that. Nobody else on would have known before that. There's no reason it's for true. anyone else to have known without yeah. her saying, I am this. Yeah, that's fair. It's they she says it's like I think you remember century. that person, yeah. especially when they're like, I know, and I can't tell you why I know. That shit'll eat at you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was waiting literally at the end of the episode for her to walk into yes, Law's Quarters. And kind of like say something or have like some some quip that's like I know or I remember and leave it at that. Owen Wilson shows up. Um, yeah. So even uh, even on the level where like she'll never actually say anything about it out loud, but there's like a little wink to her now because Carol oh, Kane's good at that, right? And I I mean like either I mean if we don't get it if we didn't get it that episode I doubt we'll get it at any other point. You never. Know. Um, but again, you never know. Yeah. And a part of me is like, yeah, it would have been nice to have. Another part of me feels like we were kind of setting up the end of an emotional arc and that might have thrown off a little bit. Right? For sure. My my greater point being like just a right. conversation. Did, 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 yeah, did the time, the time cop have to say interfere something? Carol Kane? Because Carol Kane should in theory potentially remember. Um there's I mean there's history of long lived species in Star Trek just not divulging that they've met the person that they've met somebody uh, in the past, so they won't meet for like hundreds of years. Guinan met uh, Picard in the 1800s and didn't say it for five seasons before he, that, that moment actually happened. Um, so there's, so Pelia could just be, just know the deal at this point. Yeah, she seems like she's like I'm not, I'm no, I'm no problem. I turned my head the other way. Don't worry. I love the, I love the line when when she's like, oh, that'd be, oh, engineering. Maybe I missed my calling. It'd be nice to have an honest living. Not that any of this is stolen. Yeah. Never changed um, for a thousand years. Every every line she delivers is just Lovely. the best line of that episode. <laughs> yeah. Her silly little accent, just just wonderful, just wonderful. <laughs> yes, well, that's a fake, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I really, I really like Carol Kane. I'm glad she's she's here. And, and as Spark said, it's really nice that she she wasn't wasted. She does help uh, mm. the 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 crew get get the thing. And it's so interesting watching that scene because Laon. You know, you know, Sparks is right, and and I think we all made the same observation. Once, once Kirk, once Lawn realizes that Kirk doesn't know who Khan Noonien Singh is, um, uh, Lawn is a very is very different in that scene specifically. Uh, she's much she's much more bantery with Kirk, um, which 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 leads more to the to the the kind of romance moment. And I kind of really like seeing Christina Chong play that role because she's such a She's such a a hard ass so much of the time. It reminds me of when she and Una did the Enterprise Bingo. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I always, which is one of my favorite moments in the show. Um, the there's a there's a fun joke here that where Kirk says I was born on the USS Iowa. This is cute because Kirk was born in Iowa. For sure. Um, I, I, I honestly like it was in the trailer, but the bit plays where haven't seen a revolving door. I'm from space. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's pretty good. There's another bit that I that I that I I, I want to bring up, which is um, so they mentioned that Sam Kirk, Sam is actually his middle name. His real name is George Samuel Kirk, and then Tiberius is his grandfather's name. Those are both from the Kelvin films. Those are mm-hmm. both created by Star Trek 09. Um and in fact, and so the reason why I bring it up is because fun fact, the Star Trek 09 
bit. So if you remember the beginning of Star Trek Online, which how many people do, honestly, um, when Kirk is driving the car, he yells to someone. Yeah, yeah, yells, hey, George. Uh-huh. And that's supposed to be that was retconned later to be Kirk's brother. <laughs> so they had to be like, actually, George is his first name. That's cute. So that was just a complete mistake to be like, because there's a deleted scene that explains that that's the that's his brother leaving. Look, if George um, and, was my first name, I'd go with Sam as my from my middle name as <laughs> my regular name too. Um, so I just thought that was a fun little bit. Grandpa's name was George. Sorry. Be <laughs> <laughs> <you> curious. <clears throat> um, there's a there's a a pretty solid chase scene where they where they where where they chase through the streets of Toronto in a red charger, I think. I don't remember, but um, that was fun. Yeah, and then it and then it ended. It and was, then it ended. Yeah, it was all right. It was cool. It, it was chase. It was. It, was chase. it happened. So he went that, from not knowing how to drive a car to knowing how to drive a car pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was just like, nah. This is... <laughs> so that's where I think that that's kind of what I want to get at, which is this episode by the end of it kind of fumbles a bit one of the reasons why is because the sh- is because i think it completely forgets what the plot is and I, I say that because i left myself wondering okay so this romulan is from some point in the future she's here to kill khan or blow up toronto or both i probably both it's both um and she is but she's not the only Romulan here. There have been Romulan agents on earth for decades who are slowing down human progress. And I actively dislike that secret invasion (laughs) because I don't like the idea that there have been external forces killing JFK or blowing up labs or Mm. doing all like doing nine 11, like things like that. Like that's just that, that kind of falls in the same line of like, Oh, aliens made the pyramids. Yeah. It's not a plot device I like, and I'm kind of and I'm kind of sad that Star Trek incorporated that because they never did before. This is new for Star Trek. It's very, I think it's very hard when you have the ability to do things like what Star Trek's doing, which is, you know, place things further back in the timeline and not want to tie it to major historical landmarks. Um, I think that's just like not not when it started happening but obviously now it's kind of a trap that writers fall into where it's like oh and we can associate this to this and this to this and I mean, that's doctor and, who and you could just yeah. like piece out everything but but like with doctor who that's baked into the beginning yeah um and to brandon's point with star trek it wasn't no that's what i'm saying that's yeah, doctor yeah. who like i don't it's, need star a, trek to yes do yes yeah, it's yeah. a doctor who thing and like and then other properties have done that as he alluded like you know aliens responsible for the pyramids yeah, being, yeah. being a bit for a long time like you're you're right and like it's just it just feels like low-hanging fruit it's low-hanging yeah. fruit yes yeah and that's kind of a, that's kind of our like because like the the bomb the the bridge was always supposed to be destroyed by future romulans or current day romulans i'm never quite sure if the, if the romulans that destroy the bridge are are from the future or from the modern day um and that kind and like and if they're from modern day why are they on earth anyway and if they're from the future like why are they messing why why are they doing more why and like that's what i guess that's what sarah is that would be like you're not doing enough i'm gonna do something really bold and i just like i don't need this i don't you're complicating this too much yeah i agree why um, did they destroy the bridge that's a really good question to slow human progress is what is what sarah said that bridge was really important to human progress it's friends. true every word yeah because it was supposed to be like because it the, feels more like in context of the episode like it's it's just giving away your position for the oh, mission to kill Khan. I know we talked about, because I'm just looking at the the, the synopsis, I, we talked about the, the TVA agent, but we forgot that the mission the mission starts by a random dude giving her this thing mm-hmm. that teleports her to another dimension. Yeah. Okay, uh, I just so, forgot about that. I was like, that's interesting. So, this is a larger conversation that I want to have, which is that, so that, that dude is either from the 29th or 30th century. We've a seen Romulan, this... 
Sorry, go ahead. We've seen the Starfleet before. Starfleet in the 29th century has uh, has utilized time travel to protect the timeline. By the 30th century, they're at they're, they're in a temporal cold war, and by the 31st century, they're in an all-out war. Um, all of it is deal all of it to deal with time travel. Time travel by Starfleet is no is not new, even in the 23rd century. But by the 27th century, it's weaponized. You don't need to hear, you don't need to understand any of this. I'm just trying to get to a point, which is that I kind of like the idea. This is actually something I like, which is that this dude who shows up is from Starfleet in the far, far future, trying to protect the timeline, namely stop Khan from being killed. Um, and the even the device he gives her is from Voyager. Um, the screen that shows up is from Star Trek Voyager, which is when we were first introduced to these time travel people. Um, there is something called the Temporal Prime Directive in Star Trek, which is introduced in Deep Space Nine, which is basically... Uh, you need to protect the timeline at all costs, and you can't deviate it at all. Kirk got in a lot of trouble because he deviated a lot, even though they didn't exist back then. They kind of retroactively just blame Kirk for a lot of shit. Prime, the prime timeline. Um, so, you know, like the temporal prime directive, like the prime directive, which we talked about last week, which is like, you know, don't interfere with a pre-warp species development and evolution. It's the same thing with the temporal prime directive. Don't, uh, don't, don't interfere with the past in any way that that corrupts the timeline and so the romulan so so there's a lot of there's a lot of callbacks to this what am i trying to get at which is that there's a lot of callbacks to star trek enterprise star trek voyager star trek deep space nine in this episode in regards to time travel um specifically the temporal cold war which is actively mentioned by sarah whole temporal wars have been fought over this moment in time and this moment keeps being placed it was supposed to be in the 90s but now it's here and i've been waiting 30 years for this i'm not a fan of trying to make Star Trek our future, which is something I've talked about a lot in these shows, specifically uh, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard. This is a plot of Star Trek Picard season two, by the way. This whole episode is 45 minutes and it's the entire season of Picard season two. So you've seen the whole season. Good job. Um, the uh, so the the single board queen. I feel cheated. That's fair. That's fair. You got me. The board queen is in season two. Um and Hershing rest in peace. Um, so the so so the idea of using the temporal cold war to move the eugenics wars up isn't inherently a bad idea. And I and I'm and I'm and I get the I get the reason, which is to keep making Star Trek an aspirational future. However, because Star Trek is such a long franchise, I think it's actually really important to consider it an alt history franchise and not our future, which is why moving the eugenics wars from the 90s to the mid 21st century bugs me a little bit. I get the decision. I'm not inherently mad at the decision. I just don't think and I kind of like the way you do it, but I just don't think you needed to do it. You get I what I'm saying? No, I understand. Do uh, to me, it just sounds like the Marvel DC sliding time scale. Like, it, like you can't have Iron Man uh, appear in the '60s, so it has to be during the '90s instead of the '60s. Like, I think they're just like that doesn't necessarily mean like. But I guess, things will change. I see what you're saying, but I think they just want to move it to a more modern setting, so they can't tell that story without referencing the older stuff. But like, I can see why why it could be an issue. Oh, well, and I think I think to Brandon's point, like you know, if you're making especially a show like Strange New Worlds, which takes place before the original series is supposed to have deep ties to it and canon connection and everything. Yeah. It is meant to be belonging to that show's history. Mm -hmm. um, it, it does feel a little like, look, whatever happened there is cemented. You know, it, it, it can be malleable up to a point, but otherwise, like, once you start hitting things where, like, old Star Trek said this happened in the year 20. 2032 yeah well then it happened in the year 2032 and yeah. that is the timeline and just because we hit 2032 and our lives don't match up that's never going to happen like no show is ever going to perfectly predict what the future is going to be yeah. and i i do think like star trek can remain an aspirational idea without it having to feel like we will we will absolutely we will move this. into this yeah. future um and right. and i i agree with your point that you're making like that that it it should just keep hold to its bars and say like you know, when when we start crossing those periods where it's said that something has happened here, you leave it be. Yeah. Um, as alt history. Right. So the for example for a really good example of what Sparks is just talking about is actually Picard season two and Deep Space Nine, which have uh, which has a time travel episode where they go to the year twenty twenty four. That's next year. 
2024, uh, California is a shit show. Uh, the entire United States is 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 crumbling. Oh shit! Well, um, <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know if they need to change anything there. It seems pretty accurate. <laughs> but specifically, there's something called the Bell Riots, which happened because of sanctuary cities. Look, it's it, yes, our world not great. Um, you know, you got to get through the shit before you can get to the great, which is what this which is what this episode is about. But there, it's probably unlikely that next year we're going to see anything like those sanctuary cities, specifically the and specifically the bell riots. So, like, are you going to move that also? And you shouldn't, right? I don't think you should because you said that's what happens in Star Trek's history. Star Trek's history is right. not our history. Right. The franchise is so long, and and Ryan Ryan makes a good point because there's a sliding scale in comics, um, but those characters don't age. Yeah. Um, those characters are, are meant to stay that well, 30 ish forever. Well, that, um, like, even though the Marvel cycle doesn't reset the way DC does, like, yeah. in, in, in a way, in your mind, at, at a certain juncture, like, it feels like it resets, even if it doesn't do a real reset, so, right? Mm-hmm. And Star Trek doesn't do that, it doesn't have like a re up, unless you're counting the Kelvin timeline, which is right. its own bag yeah. of worms. So, I, this is, go ahead, I, go I slightly disagree here, yeah. And I, I disagree because on on one hand you you do but you don't. It, it's let me try to word this. Warning. <laughs> um, so, um, just taking the deep space nine thing, sanctuary cities, and all that. Yeah, we're hitting a time when it came out where immigration was just as much an issue as it is right now, and where it was topical enough to have an episode where you could see a future in which the bad outcome is this. You can still see that now as that being the bad outcome. Now, could they make another event that would reflect kind of like a current thing happening now and it's possible future good or bad? Yeah, but we already have an event that reflects that in a way. So to me, sliding that up with whatever in-world reason to still be able to relate to current topics, which is what Star Trek has always done. To me, just I'm okay with it because it's less about, oh, we have to hit these points in time. We're not hitting the movie, move it up. And more, these subjects are still as important as they were before. And they want to be able to introduce them in story and not create a whole new thing to put that story in just to your point can't we just tell the story even if we've passed the date of the thing and say the thing is there and still be expanding on it as reflective of the story that thematically you're trying to tell right without without sliding it to match modern and that's what i mean by like i agree and disagree because yes you could do that yeah but i also feel the I mean, I, I'm never the type to, like, you know, underestimate your audience. But there is a, like, a lower, lowest common denominator that sometimes people try to hit by saying, hey, if we put this in the future, people will more easily relate to this is something that could happen. Uh, I hear you. Right, right. And I don't, it, It's it's a hard stance to have because it's like, I know what you mean. It makes sense. And it's more of a, I myself am trying to like find the reasoning for why this could be okay. And a little bit of just kind of a, Oh, I want a counter argument here. Yeah. And I think just real quick, Brandon, I think some things can be malleable and slide around, especially smaller things because you don't expect whoever's writing the show to have absolute perfect concrete knowledge of every single event that has occurred in Star Trek and how to reference it in the timeline properly and everything. That's insane. Um, That being said, I think when you're talking about something that's the eugenics wars, which is referenced so heavily, even I'd heard of it before I started watching Strange New Worlds. Mm -hmm. I think that probably should stay where it is because that feels like that's like talking about a world war kind of thing. That's talking about like this happened to a specific moment in time that Star Trek decided to cement. It shouldn't probably be messed with. It's something more consistent across a bunch of shows. You know, that's fair. And if if Star Trek were to ever move World War II to the 60s, <laughs> I would I would be like, okay, that's fine. You can move everything. Yeah. But being that um, they never have, 
Yeah. Yeah, I I can I can I can consider that. Even though it's not our history, it is still history. You don't change history. It's different than referencing like one episode reference this event that happened in right, this year, yeah. this time. Oh, we kind of retconned that. We kind of changed it. Writer, you know, like that was just thirty years apart in the TV yeah. writing. Sure, okay, you know, canon's not going to be perfect in that way. The eugenics wars is like a point that they talk about across the board. It 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 probably should stay, and other points like that should stay. Yeah, you know, it, again, like it's not it's not a make it or break it thing for me. It's just kind of a it's just kind of a a, a thing. Um, and I um, I agree with, with what Sparks is saying. You know, it, first contact, for example, is April sixth, two thousand sixty three. We right. know that that's a set date change. in Star Trek. What'd you say? Right, and it shouldn't change. Right, and so when we get to two thousand sixty three. Maybe there's a Star Trek show on. Who knows? But that Star Trek show probably shouldn't change that date and just be like, yeah, okay, you know what? That's what happened. Well, like, honestly, in the long run of IP, either either Star Trek is completely refreshed and rebooted or more likely they just keep expanding on what Star Trek is. Yeah. And if they're at that point, whenever that point is, past 2063 or whatever, and, and you know for sure they put out something that year. Some yeah. some kind of Star Trek thing comes out. We're going to see it. Um, yeah. it you you hold to those rules and you hold to what comes after that and that's not going to reflect our real world now all that nitpicking said i <laughs> and i stand by everything said here i do actually kind of like using the temporal cold war to move the to move the event because it means it, it kind of creates the idea of this is this is an event that has to happen in the timeline. And so the timeline is fighting back to keep this event happening, no matter where it is, no matter it's where it's Terminator. Oh. It's Terminator with Skynet. Skynet will always happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good point. Um, it's Terminator. And I really, so I do really enjoy that because I, I, it kind of operate, this kind of operates as a sequel to Star Trek Enterprise in that way, which never really resolved the temporal cold war plot line they were doing for, for the entire run. Um, and it kind of implies that the Romulans were involved in that in the 30th century. Um, and, and so that could be where Sarah's from, right? Like Sarah could be from the 30th century. We never really get a concrete year from where she's from. Um, Wherever she is, she's, she's heard of Kirk and she hates him. Yeah. It does say just on the Wikipedia that she is, she is a time traveler from the future. That's all. That's, right. that's all we get. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that. And I do. I mean, look, I, I I would love to revisit the temporal cold war because just to, and and I really like I really like the idea that this that of Starfleet as temporal agents tr- trying to pr- not just protect the timeline but like monitoring it and being like okay this event has been changed we need to go back and fix that like I like that idea in, uh, in Star Trek and, and I'm glad to see that kind of pop up again because it because when Discovery moved. To even further than that, they were like, "Yeah, time travel's outlawed. We're not, we're not messing with it." We stuck. I, I do feel like you can still enter the same space of conversation we were having just about like laws in terms of augmentation, about laws in terms of time. Mm-hmm. Who decides what is the correct event? The Time Lords, and and when Starfleet. That, so that, that's not perfect but, judgment. That's why the Cold War starts because there are people because there was something called the Temporal Accords that happened that said time travel must not be used to alter the timeline. It must only be used to um, to study the timeline. Um, and so the Temporal Cold War happened because there's a couple of different factions like, no, f that. We're gonna go there. We're gonna go to the past and and change things. Change things for the better or for the worse. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're if you're evil, you try it for the worse. If you're good, you try for the best. And so Starfleet is the one is the the kind of alliance to be like, we'll we'll, we'll go back into the past and make sure that the events don't change. Sure. So in that way it's more like whatever the timeline is when those temporal accords are written needs to be needs to be preserved. It cannot change. I think this is still a situation where we talked about like last week or the week before where like even though like it is a universe thing like Starfleet is like the still the right, people yeah, 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 yeah. yeah there's the well, humans there's also, are yeah. well I also think there's a chicken or the egg thing because like how do they know like when they made the temporal accords that the timeline was perfect as was yeah. they're just deciding that it was that it hadn't been all they went back in time already. to make sure the accords are perfect <laughs> yeah yeah uh, Star Trek Enterprise good show by the way um, I'll defend it to the day I die um uh, season season three and four are really great. I'm just saying, they're like 
top-notch seasons. Um, Kirk dies in this episode. Yes. Hashtag not my Kirk. A Kirk. A Kirk. A Kirk dies. Uh, I really like that he, I really like his death line, Sahad Sam for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the kind of play on the idea that like, oh, you're not going to fire, you're not going to shoot me because uh, of all these things that are going to happen. And then she does. It's a really good moment. It works for, I think it works. Absolutely. This is the first time that Khan's been cast the right ethnicity. Baby Khan. We did it. Hell yeah. We did it, guys. He's not Spanish oh, yeah, like, and he's not white. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I haven't thought about it since I saw it in the moment, which we'll talk about now. But like, just upon seeing that, like, I'm just a big fan of like, because again, like there's there's Uncanny X-Force, which is like my favorite X-Men comic. And that's about X-Force going to kill baby apocalypse. Because like, if, ba- if Hitler is a baby, do you want to take him out early? It's like, that's a moral that's a moral choice you gotta make um and that is a hard one to make especially with children and like the fact that star trek is a show that will be like yeah like these people are here to kill a child the worst person who ever existed yes but he's not that person yet and that is that is that is juicy shit um and again on seeing him like seeing the person that he isn't that he will become who makes her and all that stuff we talked about earlier it's like really cool again i don't know if it like if it's supposed to like if it works for the story or anything but i just think it works for on an emotional level yeah i I had suspected last season that some way I kind of felt like Laon needed to confront Khan, but there's no, but I couldn't really think of a way outside of time travel to do it. And I thought yes. at bare minimum that we'd see, her, we'd see her meet adult Khan and at, during the eugenics wars. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought this was actually a really interesting way to do it, to have her come to terms with this, this this child version of Khan, and that's how she kind of comes to terms with what his legacy is being her um she is a better person you know it's this kind of like represents starfleet like starfleet went through the darkness of the eugenics wars civil war ii and world war three and then we had first contact and then they went we, into we, darkness one could say and then we had um uh, this, this beautiful, and then we created this beautiful utopia. And so, like for Laon, kind of, it's kind of like seeing a similar trajectory. Yes, Khan was a horrible, genocidal, genocidal, uh, mass murdering uh, psychopath. But I'm not that. Mm-hmm. I am. I he is my legacy, but I am not my legacy. I am beyond that. I have. Oh, we just both quoted two Star Trek sequels <laughs> into darkness yeah. and beyond. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, I am beyond that, and yeah. I uh, and I, I like her coming to terms with that. So that was cute. And it is one of those things too, where like, you know, this kid, like in this alternate universe, who knows what could happen? But you know, Khan's destiny, right? Yeah. It is one of those things, like maybe, maybe this kid. You have context, you nerd. You know, <laughs> like maybe this could be a different con. Like maybe, but like probably not. But it's just like you see him as a child. You're like. There could be a future for this kid, but like his name's Khan, so like we know it sucks. There's a fun little Easter egg in this episode that I want to mention, which is that Khan is playing chess. Um, idiot's chess, as Kirk calls it. Fun fact, um, Kirk is, as I mentioned before, really good at th- three-dimensional chess. Um, when the reason why he beats Khan in The Wrath of Khan is because Khan only thinks two-dimensionally, whereas Kirk thinks three-dimensionally. That's a that's a that's a line from the movie, and I think that because like you know space you can go up and down, mm-hmm. not just side to side or forward and back. And Khan doesn't realize that because he's not thinking like that. He's thinking two dimensionally. They can only, I can only move on this one plane, and that's how Kirk beats him uh, by realizing, oh, I can go, I can do this, I can do this, and come up. He learned. Here. He learned that he can go up. <laughs> um, and so like it's that's it's kind of a fun little. I, it's probably not intentional because you're supposed to be. You're probably just doing it because you wanted to give the 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 sense that this kid is really smart. But it 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 does kind of accidentally create a nice little callback to the Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anything else? You guys want to talk? Uh, about? I I think Christina Chong really sells me on the the call with Kirk at the end, the way she's holding it together till the second that he's off the line and then falls apart. Yes. Is incredible. It really makes me want to believe more of the stuff that happened earlier in the episode because it's so good. Yeah. But I'm like, I just, I just don't buy everything <laughs> that came before. Not every bit of it, but I do buy this. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. such an emotional crux of just like that entire 
not just the episode, but like her own personal arc and everything that that interaction meant. And then not just that, but she breaks down and you know, it's, it's about Kirk primarily, but also she met Khan. She has this whole like parallel universe time travel thing going on. And it was just so great to like, the way that she just so quietly breaks down about it is such so in character as well. Mm-hmm. It just, oh man, it, I, I legit started like tearing up with her. Mm-hmm. And while that does say something about the story they were able to tell, I think it says a lot more about her as an actor. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Killed it. Killed it. Oh, so and I, good. And I think to kind of echo something Ryan said when we talked last week about Una and how that episode affected her and, and what we want to see going forward. I, to feel better about some of the things I brought up in the episode, like her not being able to open up unless she's with someone who's never heard of the name Noonien Singh before. Um, I need her to be changed by this going forward. Yes. I yes. need that to be a part of it. I need to see them do Laon opening up the next time Benga asks her to. Yeah, a little more friendly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Benga has a great line where, um, as your doctor, I think you should see someone. I don't want a doctor, I want a sparring partner. Well, as a sparring partner, I think you should talk to your doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was cute. And Benga's great. This whole cast. Yeah. Whole cast is great. Love it. I, I, I think there's... I think there's a boldness to this episode that I really appreciate uh, just in general, because you decided to center your third episode of your second season on only one of your cast members. There's no one else here is a, as a main character, even a side character. They're all essentially cameos, at the beginning and the end. Yeah. And you center Carol it on King. one. Carol King. You center it on, on one episode. You set, set it on one of your main cast members uh, and and an alternate version of a character of a legacy character, and you change established Star Trek canon. You use time travel. You use concepts from the from the different shows, and you kind of blend it all together. And you you try to and you 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 hope that it works. And I think for the most part it does. And I really appreciate that they were willing to not play it safe because I for uh, however however. However, you think this episode worked or not? I don't think it's a safe episode. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Just the fact that they're trying something <clears> is <throat> really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just think they tripped more than they usually have, which is sure. just surprising for this show. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. All right. Well, I got no more notes. If you guys want to oh. be done, that old doer, ready to trek, ready to watch the next one. Yeah, right a couple, couple hours from the time we're recording this. True that. Um, okay, well, that's that's uh, that's that. That's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Join us again tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2 continues on, and we will continue to talk about it with next week's episode. Um, so stay tuned for that discussion. Uh, yes. Of course, if you like Star Trek, you know, there's plenty more Star Trek shows over on Fake Nerds Watch that you can check out as well as um, I've started Fickner Book Club up again with my good friend Travis Alexander from Kaiju Ramen, uh, where we talked about Star Trek Discovery uh, Aftermath, which is a comic book prequel to this, to, to Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is why I did it. So stay tuned for the next episode of that one. But of course, guys, Fake Nerds Watch has other shows. There is an episode of Secret Invasion. Uh, stay tuned for when we return to Secret Invasion uh, at a to-be-determined date. We will. Uh, it just depends on when. Um, and of course, you can check out all sorts of other shows, guys. There's plenty of other shows. If you like this video, you subscribe to this channel. You can check out all sorts of other shows, such as Basement Arcade, which is our video game Let's Play series. Uh, two episodes of Basement Arcade are up now featuring Ryan and Sparks uh, playing through some uh, video game demos on Steam. Yes? That's yes. true. Um, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, which is our video game discussion series. I already mentioned Victor Book Club, but there's also Animation Station. Um, Mythalaneous, which is going through some Indiana Jones stuff, if you're interested in Indiana Jones. Um, there's The Real Score, which is our newest show, new episode coming soon. Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Animation Station, did I say that? Yes. Said it. 
cool. Well, conversation. There's conversation. I didn't say that one. Um, <laughs> new episode of conversation um, coming coming soon. So stay with my with my good friend Rachel Strange from the Narrative Labyrinth podcast. Stay tuned for her episode for an episode uh, that uh, on her podcast where I talk about Star Trek Nine, which is mm. which is a very good episode, and I can't wait for people to hear that. Uh, you can find us. You can also find our T Public and our Patreon if you like to support us financially on uh, that is linked below. Or you find everything on our website at fakenerpodcast.com. Keep visiting that website if you're inclined. I'm updating it almost daily um, at this point. I, I really love working on it, adding new things um, constantly. So keep keep going there and refreshing it. There's new stuff. Ben's blog is almost updated uh, completely. If you guys are interested in reading Ben's back catalog, um, and. That's it. Uh, Fake Nerd Podcast on all the socials. If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter, where you can also find me writing for CPR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and KaijuRamenMedia.com, where I'm also the website editor. Ryan, where can people find you? You can find me leaving uh, space and going to fantasy with Final Fantasy 16 because I'm enjoying it so much, at DJ Tony Snark, 616 everywhere. Sparks? Uh, you can find me trying to survive with Jedi Survivor at SparksWitty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z-Witty. And Xander. All right, you can find me playing uh, uh, many different games <laughs> on uh, Twitch and Kick at uh, Jack in the Box. Uh, all right, make sure to like this video, subscribe to this channel. Uh, subscribe on if you're listening to the audio on all their podcatchers of choice if you're interested. And until next time you see us, guys, live long and prosper. What's <laughs>